Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Get a dose of hope.com. My guest today is pretty special, Noelle Peterson. Noelle is the author of Dream Life Planner Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered. She's the co founder of Add Value to Life Coaching. Noelle helps women awaken their dreams and design a path to reach them. With over 20 years of leadership, Noelle offers a unique perspective guiding women to get out of their own way and figure out what they want to be when they grow up. Noelle Peterson and Robert discuss her journey as a wife, missionary, teacher, trainer, and now on a mission of self-discovery to find and fulfill her own dream after a near-death experience opened her eyes to how she had sacrificed her wants and desires for everyone else. Today, she seeks to empower women to believe in themselves and that they are worthy of their own dream. Well, today's a pretty exciting day. We're celebrating our 200th episode, and we have a very special guest with us today, my lovely wife, Noelle. So, First thing I want to talk about is that Noelle and I's story are inside this wonderful little cube of hope called a dose of hope. Um, dose stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins that you get when you smile and you share hope. And so this is just one fourth of the series of dose of hope. And we love sharing our story of hope. And many other authors have shared their story. I hope these are like a collection of TEDx talks um, of sharing stories of hope. And so Noelle and I had the privilege of being invited and nominated to participate. And our stories were in here. And we'd love to nominate you and have a conversation about your potential to be in A Dose of Hope. And you also can get your own digital copy at getadoseofhope.com. So Noelle, let's start out talking about your story of hope. So the story I wrote about talked uh, started a year ago. Um, tomorrow is our anniversary, the August 9th of a year ago, me having to go into the hospital. And my hope in that was that I was able to spend 13 days in hospital, in cardiac care, um, ICU, cardiac floor, um, recovering from an aortic dissection. And how I was able to do that with a smile on my face. Yeah, well, the rest of us were in sheer panic mode. <laughs> Actually, never, never, in, never in sheer panic, but obviously felt very helpless. And so, um, obviously, a year ago was a crazy day in our lives, and but reinvigorated our commitment to our business, reinvigorated our commitment to each other, and um, just the idea of you know not taking another day for granted. And so. 
basically Noel was perfectly fine at 8 a.m. And she was working at her desk, working from home, just like she had every other day for the last year and a half, probably over two years now in the midst of all this chaos. And she got a pain in her neck. And I, I was walking out the door planning to, to go up to my dad's house and and literally this pain in her neck, her legs started going numb and her just, she, I could tell she was very uncomfortable. Something was very wrong. I threw all of our stuff in the car, like I was going to take her to the hospital. And by the time I got inside the house, she couldn't walk and I couldn't carry her. So ended up calling 911. The ambulance, the paramedics arrived, the fire department arrived. And uh, by that time, her legs had kind of worked a little bit. And so the paramedics walked her out to the ambulance and they checked to see if she'd had a stroke and they checked to see if she was having a heart attack. And they cleared her of both of those things. In fact, they even offered, you know, hey, if you guys don't want to take an ambulance, um, you can take her in your own car. And I was like, no, look, you guys already got her in the bus. She's terribly uncomfortable. We don't know what's going on. You need to just take her and I'll follow you. And so off we went on our adventure to the hospital and uh nobody knew at this point what was that we were leaving or there was an issue well the neighbors knew the neighbors saw what was going on in fact a a couple of our neighbors already went out and bought balloons and a get well card and and expected to give that to noelle when we came back home that night and uh you know the emergency room she gets wheeled into the emergency room and they start checking for different things based on the pain in the throat and her legs going numb, they, you know, gastrointestinal, maybe it's a, a nerve issue. Um, they do a chest x-ray and they don't find anything. And then um, they give her Dilaudid to calm her down because she's so wiggly and squirmy that she, they can't do a CT scan. And so they need to, uh, they need to figure out, you know, how to do a CT scan. But once they did a CT scan, we had some more answers. And all hell broke loose. Yeah, it, it became an interesting room. Um, the ER doctor literally flew by the door and says, oh, we know what's wrong. You have a swollen vessel. So we're thinking, oh, a swollen vessel. Then the surgeon's on his way. So the cardiac, uh, cardiothoracic surgeon comes, stands at Noel's bedside and calmly explains that you have a swollen vessel. It requires surgery to repair. And He was so calm. I, he was very calm. And Noel has had, you know, five or six other procedures done over her lifetime. And so she's very comfortable in this environment and didn't have any, any concerns signed the waiver without thinking about, you know, the consequences. It was just like another mortgage document. (laughs) And, and we really didn't even realize, you know, he kind of, as we're, as he was walking out the door saying, Oh yeah, well, this is open house surgery. So you'll be in the hospital for at least a week. Um, and so it was like, wait, what? <laughs> then the, the anesthesiologist was the shocker because he was a little more dramatic. He talked about IVs in both sides of her neck and being able to measure her blood pressure with every heartbeat. And the nurse in the corner was on her cell phone calling and she's saying, well, we're, you know, in room so-and-so and so-and-so typing cross for four units of blood. And then they're rolling the well down the hallway. Like it happened um, pretty dramatically and pretty fast. Um, just to be clear, I didn't, we hadn't even called our kids yet. 
And now I had to call both kids and tell them that their mom's going into open heart surgery for an aortic dissection. Yeah, and it it was so new. We had no idea. For me, it was just another procedure. I was going in, you know, the doctor's going to do what they're going to do. I'm going to wake up in a, in a little while, um, keep my phone nearby, you know, all that kind of thing. It was like, whatever. Um, I had no idea that it was really a near-death experience. If they had not wheeled me into surgery, I would not be here. Yeah, and our son who'd taken EMT training literally answered the phone and said, do I need to get on a plane? And my reaction was, I don't, I don't think so. The nurse said she'd be up and walking tomorrow. And so I felt like, you know, she was in the best place to get the best care. And obviously they took really good care of her um, by the miracle of just getting her to the hospital in the first place, the miracle of the right doctors being in the right place that she had a second procedure eight days later that actually repaired the backside of the aorta. So her aorta split the layers separated from her heart all the way down to her iliac, which is down below the kidneys. And so the aorta goes up and around on the backside and goes down along your spinal column. And, and they were able to, to repair everything except for the arch and the arch didn't seem to be separated. And so her risk of aneurysm is now significantly lower. Um, an aneurysm is where the vessel swells on the thin, side because the blood's flowing through the outside layer of the vessel and and obviously that thin layer pops and the becomes a bleed if it happens in that first section of the aorta it's dead deadly almost instantaneously if it happens in the back section it'll cause lots of issues but can be fixed and then of course if it happens in the iliacs and inner legs then those can be repaired as well and so so we believe that she went from being, you know, a per pretty healthy young woman, young woman, <laughs> grandma, pretty healthy grandma, young grandma. How's that? We'll say young grandma. There you go. To, uh, to needing to take now blood pressure meds. And, and it wasn't that she, she had had regular checkups and she'd had, um, you know, previous doctor visits and, and there was no evidence of, of this as a possibility. Even genetic testing that I was allowed to do afterwards all came back normal. Yeah, so we still have no idea. There's no why for for this happening. It's about a one in a million. Basically, for every million people in the population, one person has has this happen to them. Um, so it's pretty rare, but it's also very dangerous because 40% of them are discovered on autopsy because the person gets this pain and, and this discomfort and thinks, oh, something you know, something must be going on and, and they go take a nap and and they die laying there. And, and so we're so grateful that she's still with us. Yeah. And I think there's just no prescribed way that it presents. It's going to present differently in anybody. Um, and so you just don't know, you can't really even say this, you know, you look for this. Um, I've tried to explain to the kids that if you've got any feelings that are anything like this or, you know, you go get them checked, but there's really nothing that they, the doctors can even watch for. Yeah. So anyway, bottom line is I'm super grateful that I still have my business partner and my best friend and super grateful that we get to share that story of hope and and possibility, but also the power of a smile and the power of of having a good attitude. And, and we believe that 
that that's helped her in the healing process that's helped her in the recovery process and it just helps in every moment of life and so we're so blessed that we've been prepared to, to be on that positive thinking side and having positive expectations for positive outcome and of course we had thousands and thousands of people praying for her and so we had every circle that we're a part of you know including previous work circles faith and ministry circles that we were a part of current you know race community that that we serve as chaplains and and even our current circle of business partners and friends that that all were lifting her up and so we absolutely believe in the power of prayer we believe in that that you know that our faith carries us through as well and so absolutely credit god with with having something for noel to continue to do and to be on this planet to to make an impact and we want to honor that impact that's a part of you know our our motivation for building our business for serving entrepreneurs for serving women um, in her case and and we know that, that that we have more impact to make yeah, we got we got more to do. So, let's talk about the impact that you're wanting to make this year. So, your incident was last August, and then in January, you wrote your first book, and here it is in print. And so, this dream life planner moved from tired and overwhelmed to free and empowered. So, let's talk about the origin of your, your planner and then it, it kind of who, who's your target is. Yeah. So around the beginning of the year, uh, I was uh, working on some worksheets to evaluate my goals and resolutions or whatnot for the upcoming season. Um, and trying to just figure out what I wanted to do, how I could be involved in the business and um, what the next steps were in life. And I was getting um, overly frustrated with, the, the worksheets that I had found or um, and that you had found. And one one day after, you know, multiple days of trying to figure out and complete these papers, you looked at me and said, then write your own, which, you know, why not? Who said well, you couldn't write something? Um, I didn't know what I was going to do with it or what it was for, um, but I spent a few weekends after that um, putting together uh, worksheets and activities to help somebody figure out where they're at, where they want to go and, and work on getting there. Um, some daily steps and daily activities. Um, it ended up being a 52 page book, but at the time in January, it was just worksheets and I had printed them out and put a PDF together with no idea of what to do. What am I going to do with it now? So it felt like it was too big to be a lead magnet to just, um, put out there in the World Wide web, but I didn't know what to do with it. Um, we met your publisher in January and he's like, yeah, we let's, let's publish it. Um, which seemed kind of exciting You get a book published. Okay. Let's, you know, let's do it. Um, the audience, I focus on women and I, I have a desire to help women be all they can be have magnificent relationships. Um, and if they can take care of themselves and love on them and be the, woman that God's made them to be, they can be better spouses and better coworkers, better moms, um, and, and the like. Absolutely. So the, the workbook's actually just some pretty powerful, you know, worksheets, first of all, to help somebody evaluate where they are now. And then 
determine why they want to change, right? What they want to make different, you know, why, why that really matters. Um, and then they got to be accountable, right? They got to evaluate where they're spending their time, who they're hanging out with, um, figuring out, you know, it, it's really in a lot of ways, it's about being intentional, right? We're, we want to make an intentional choice, you know, with our time, with our relationships, um, with our money, although that's not necessarily included in, in this part, but really that's, you know, taking responsibility for their life and then, and then owning the direction that they're going. Yeah, very much so. We don't, we don't change. We don't grow if we're not going to take some action. So then you've got a little section about um, limiting beliefs and, and helping somebody start to identify their, their limiting beliefs and how that voice in their head is holding them back. Yeah. I mean, we, we learn through life and we have lots of people that influence us um, as children, as students, as in college, every step of life, we've got other adults influencing our behavior and even other children um, that give us you know negative feedback during the day. If they don't like how we look or we don't want, they don't like how we did something whether it's right or wrong, we can take that feedback and make it malware, you know, negative parts of our core being. Um, and that can damage us for life. If we, and until we acknowledge that those um, sayings happened or that those beliefs are inside us, we can't adjust and, and, and move on and grow from that. So you use the word malware. So that's just identifying that this is basically negative programming in our subconscious. And the challenge, I think, for most people is that they lack awareness of the negative programming. Um, and, and many times that, that programming could have happened at a single event. Um, it could have been a comment that a parent makes in, you know, in passing, like the idea that, you know, you could never do that. Or how would you ever accomplish that? Or you'll never be very good at that. You know, you can't make a living doing that. And those kinds of plant those seeds and, and they, they become very powerful limitations. And so having the awareness when when setting a goal or setting a dream, having the awareness to recognize the statement that that voice in your head makes, the, the inner critic, some people call it. Um, and, and when that inner critic says that, you know, we need to be able to turn that turn that belief into a positive. How does your book help them make that transition? It takes some um, awareness and thought process to acknowledge and even um, hear it in your own head. And until you are aware, you can't adjust for it. Um, so, I mean, my desire is that you can acknowledge and just be aware that these things happen and think, acknowledge your thoughts and hear it happening and then be able to switch that around and say the, the opposite. It, I think it's very valuable to have statements that you tell yourself uh, at least every morning, if not more often, that reprogram yourself to believe in you. you know, I am worthy. I am helpful. I am loved. I am rich. Whatever it needs to be is uh, I, you know, I can be an artist. I'm a writer. You make the positive statements and tell yourself over and over and over whether you believe them at first or not. It's got to take some reprogramming. Well, just recognizing for many people that that voice in their head is is not their own. It's not necessarily on your side. 
Um, it's your brain's survival voice trying to trying to protect you from the lion outside the door that's clearly ready to eat you when you start to do some of these things. Yeah, the, the voice in our head is not necessarily on, on our side hardly at all. I mean, I think I heard you say 95% uh, is um, automatic programming, automatic decisions that are made. And we have to work intentionally to make those changes so that we can reprogram and um, help ourselves grow in those ways. So besides the, the I am statements and affirmations as, as they're called, how has, uh, how has gratitude helped you grow and, and how do you see it as a tool in helping others? I mean, we have to be thankful for what we've got. And if we can't be thankful for what we do have, why do we deserve more? Um, I encourage everybody to start the day. I mean, one of the best things we can do is start off with being thankful for the house that we have, the food that we have, the friends we have, the job that we have. And even in a situation where you know your car breaks down and you want to just throw it all to the wolves and you know, what do I do? Be thankful that you have uh, somebody to call or that you have AAA or whatever the situation may be that help you get out of that, to be thankful in the moment for that situation so that you, I mean, and it helps you just be on the positive side so that you can enjoy the life that you do have and you don't go down a uh, death spiral for the rest of the day because you had a, a, a horrible time in one situation. So obviously we talk about being intentional and, and designing the life, the life that you want. And when this incident happened, you were still working um, your job for the state and, and wanting a way out. And I'd committed to, to getting you on board, you know, as part of the company. And it never felt like we were in a position to, to make that happen. And we kept pushing that, um, down the road. So let's talk about that decision that you made to, for yourself. So I'm not sure exactly where you're trying to go. <laughs> um, but in March, I want to say I had, I had written the book. Um, it was working on getting published and we wrote the dose of hope story. And I was trying to blog, I think at the time um, and writing regularly. And I really, really enjoy writing. It's been a very, therapeutic, but also just um, enjoyable experience for me in the last few months when I've been able to sit and actually write. And I acknowledged to myself in March that I can't write and I can't help you build a business anymore working nine to five. I was maxed out. I didn't have any more to give. Um, and I was, um, I'm not sure I was unhappy at work, but there was definitely some stress there. Um, I've actually had people tell me in the last few weeks that how much better I look just not having that job and at home. So it's whatever that means. Um, but I, so in March had said, I, I need out. Um, what do you think if, you know, May 1st is, is it? And we talked about it, prayed about it. And um, we decided that I would resign at the end of April, but leave my position at the end of May. It was, it was very difficult to explain that to wonderful friends that I had at, at work that I'd worked with for three and a half years, but it was what we needed, what I needed physically um, and mentally. And one of the things that happened is I, in our, in my job, I had to have a password 
that gave me access to um, all the softwares that we used at work and my computer. And every time I logged into anything, I had to type that password. And there are times when you, ha you can't use the ones you tried last and you have to create it and it's all these security issues. And I got frustrated and I just wrote one down and, and used it for the last two months I was there. Thinking back, that was uh, a, a feed to my self-conscious because that password was the name of uh, words out of my book and May 1st. That, so it was telling my brain subconsciously that May 1st was my day and this is, it has to be. Um, and Robert allowed me and worked with me to make that happen. So now let's, let's talk about, obviously you've, uh, trying to find your voice, trying to find, um, who your ideal client is. And, and of course, trying to figure out how that meshes with, you know, add value to life as a, as a firm, as a company. Um, and, and obviously it's a, it's a work in progress. And, and so we're, we're, we're moving forward, but you've taken on a pretty large project that, that I think, you know, is something that can have you know very large impact. And that just started this week. So one of the thoughts that came to mind last month was to start this uh, 12 week mastermind. Um, and the details came into my brain. And as I sit here at my desk and was trying to figure out who to talk to, is this valid? Does it make sense? Is, you, is this the way to work it and make all those decisions? We're self-employed. We don't have anybody else to, to bounce those ideas off of. So, you know, chatted with you a bit and just ran with it. So I got 12 um, mentors, uh, keynote speakers that are going to speak over 12 weeks and invited every woman in the planet to, to join us um, with the desire and the thought that women who are um, in transition or um, midlife crisis where you've gone through a divorce or a death or the kids are going off to college or um, some sort of transition where your role is adjusting, um, that these women would be fabulous at and sharing their stories to help us move and grow forward in who we are. Um, and the idea of a woman in transition came as I am looking to, to figure out myself, but also when I look back in, um, when I was turning 40, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grow up. Um, and I was leaving one job that was being adjusted and changed and throwing my resume out to the world to figure out where it landed. Um, but then also I look back at my mom, who was a mother of four and had her own career. But once the career was gone and the kids were all off to, to school, off to college and on their lives, who was she? And I, I fear that many women, especially back in that day, their role was mom. And I think there's a lot more for us women than just being the mom at the house. We have a reason that we're here on earth. Um, God has a lot for us and we need to be confident in who we are and have the ability to move forward and figure out who that is. And I want to help them do that. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness.
Yeah, so let's play. I mean, you, you talk about women in transition, but I think it's really there's there's an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's a lot of women in roles and, and doing jobs um, and men, too, that that they kind of fell into. And I think that was that. that so that's one one thing. Right. The idea that you just took the first job that that, that said yes to your resume and offered you the you know sufficient pay and benefits to to make you feel valuable. Right. But but the truth is, it it, it wasn't a dream. It, it didn't match up with your personality, with your identity. Now, the other issue I think with identity is, and this, this definitely, especially applies to women. They've, they take on a support role, right? In the family, they, they subject themselves to their husband as, as a wife. They, they put the kids first as a mom. Um, And I think when they go into a, a job position, they put the job and other people you know, first, because because they they take on this role of of support and make it make it happen. Role, <laughs> right? They don't get all the credit and the glory, but but they're the ones behind the scenes making making all this stuff happen. And, and their identity can get stuck there. And and I think obviously that nurture, um, caring part inside of a woman is you know nat- has a natural inclination towards that. But it doesn't necessarily have to stay there, and and it doesn't mean that that has to be a part of their identity. And I think that's a bigger transition that many women want to experience. Right? They feel trapped that they've given up their ideas, they've given up their dreams, they've given up their desires for the sake of the family, for the sake of the husband, for the sake of of the job, and and wh- whatever situation they're in. So how do we help women? be empowered? How do we help women you know, capture that idea and that dream and, and take it on for, you know, give themselves permission to dream for themselves? I mean, I just want to acknowledge uh, an example at first is we women often change our name at least once in life. And we start off with who we are as children. And at most, most of us get married and we change our name. And sometimes that comes with an identity change. And then if you get divorced or widowed and then you change your name back and that can be in itself an adjustment Um, and acknowledging, I think the first step is just acknowledging that we are who we are. Our name is a name, but we are the same person regardless of all the changes that happen. And we need to allow ourselves to be that person and live that dream. My dream as a little girl was to be a stewardess. Even into college, I was going in to try and be a travel agent. Travel agent. (laughs) But, and God used that. And I was able to travel the world and I love travel. um, And, you know, I can't get enough of it. But using that desire to travel and be in multiple places and do all those different things in a different way than I really understood as a kid. So in my role in my job now is trying to to use that desire to be around people, to share with people and to share experiences in a different way. And maybe as a kid, I didn't understand that that was really what the dream was, but still close. But we women need to allow ourselves the desire and allow ourselves the ability and space 
to dream and fulfill our dreams, whatever that may be. One of the things that I, I get frustrated with is our culture tends to identify. We, we put our, our identity and our career, our job together. And so when you go on a networking event, we ask, you know, well, what do you do? Well, what do you do? Well, what do you do? And, and we kind of use that as the, the, the identifying factor of who a person is. And, and of course, I think that that same identity issue applies, applies to, to women and, and many women that have, that have sacrificed their dreams for somebody else. And so the role, the role and the identity can be separate and, and almost have to be, but it's very hard because our language is, is very much geared towards keeping roles and identities stuck together, right? Mom, wife, um, CEO, uh, you know, uh, painter, baker, candlestick maker. And I think that there's just pieces where we're, we are all the different roles that we play, but I'm Noel in that role. And it's, it is hard to distinguish and adjust to that change. Um, sending my, my kids off to live on their own. It's hard, but being a grandma is so worth it. <laughs> so they can just, they can go. <laughs> Yeah, so let's talk about that role or, or the idea of of those roles, right? And I think, you know, you mentioned your mom and, and some of the her value was so tied to her identity as a mom that that when when she was no longer being a mom, right? All the kids had, had left and and some of it got a little rough and so there was some failures in there. And I I feel like that 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 impacted her identity in such a negative way. Um, with my mom, I think when she retired, um, she, she lost her praise system. She lost the network of people around her that were telling her, great job, good job, way to go. You know, and then she's home alone for a lot of the time because dad was still working the first four years that mom was retired. But even then dad's dad was, dad's not a, a, a love language guy, right? He's not a, a praise, natural praiser. And so she went from having daily, oh, Mary, this is so good. Oh, you've done such a great job. Oh, to to not receiving any praise. And I think, I think that impacted her identity. It impacted her belief in herself and certainly in her value. And so I think both you and I have seen um, how powerful that can be in our mom's, our own mom's lives and trying to prevent that for others is is so important. Yeah, and I could see that in in my role. Um, you get all that praise, and you get that. Um, I was given a lot of authority and responsibility, and people cared that I was there. But when you walk away from that, and you you know, both your both our moms, and you lose that, it needs to have that basis at home. You need to be able to have a support system. Not all husbands and wives get along in their love languages. We don't all love the same way. We don't all support the same way. And we don't all talk through that to make sure that we're covering that. So many moms, and I could see the guys doing the same thing, walk away from something that gives them that value and start to devalue themselves because they're not getting that support that they're expecting. Hmm. Yeah, so this, this identity thing, this mind 
our, our mind is definitely more challenging um, for us to navigate than than it seems on the surface. But for sure, when when you're intentional and when you can spend some time um, in in some daily practices, I think uh, it, it can be very powerful. So so let's talk about some of your your daily practices that that are helping you. Things you've tried, things you're developing, things you're still working, <laughs> working on. I and mean, one of the books that we started um, was the Five Minute Journal, and I mention it in in my book as well, where you you spend five minutes every morning and night at most, first thing in the morning, last thing at night. So you're doing it before your brain has a time to censor anything out, um, and then last time last at night. So you're going to bed with the same thoughts. But you get up in the morning and you are grateful for what you have, what you do. Name three things that you're grateful for. Um, things that are going to make today great. What do you want to accomplish? And your affirmation statements. So I am beautiful. I am wealthy. I am worthy. Uh, anything that's specific to you. And sometimes it can change. You don't have to do the same affirmation statements every day. Just you know, mention a few so you work on that. And then you end the day with what happened that was great and what can you learn from what happened today. And just be, you know, end it on a positive note. Um, and any way you go about it, journaling first thing in the morning for me is very valuable. Um, we're, we're reading The Artist's Way now, and she talks about journaling three pages every morning, first thing in the morning. I don't know if I can do three pages, but the idea of just brain dumping everything in the morning, whatever it is, to get it out of your head, because I know I wake up in the morning with tons of thoughts and ideas and, and maybe not necessarily any ideas, but just mumbo jumbo that just needs somewhere to go. And if you can get that out of your head first, then you can focus on your day and make everything else great. Absolutely. And of course, you and I have a practice of prayer and, and reading, um, reading our Bibles every day. And then we've been trying to add um, reading other books and we do that on the road. We do that. Um, try, try. There are books that we want to read together for developing our business and, and developing each other and, and helping hold each other accountable um, in certain areas. And uh, that's probably been our, our weakest link in, in trying to do some of these things together, especially when you were working and now that you're home and um, our daughter's working for us now. And so the, the, the house is a little full still with two grandkids. Um, we wouldn't trade it for the world because the opportunity to have our grandkids here every day is, is uh, precious. Yeah, yeah. Unmatchable. And, and if the fact that, um, our daughter can do do work while raising her new baby is is uh, pretty exciting too, and so that's those are choices we're making. But it does make some of the decision making and meditation and thinking uh, times a little more challenging, just because the house is uh, noisy like it was when we had kids. And the great news is they leave in the afternoon, and, and we get some evening quiet, and so we just have to adjust our schedule a little more intentionally. Yeah, I mean, and that's just an encouragement for everybody to, to make the time that works for you. At the afternoons from, what, 5 to 7 are great times for us to work together. But the time in the morning, like um, 7 to 9, before the kids get here, before meetings start, sometimes is priceless at getting some actual work done on this computer. Absolutely. So, obviously, you've had um, different mentors in, in your life, at, at least for sure, in your spiritual walk and and I assume in, in your work with the state. Um, and we're working on some mentors in this in this business space. But 
what what have what have mentors meant to your growth and and what would you encourage someone who doesn't have a mentor? I mean, I think we all have them in some way, whether we realize it or not. And looking back over life, I've had several ladies that um, just encouraged me and walked with me through things. Um, I had a fabulous lady when we were living in Columbia who was also a pastor's wife and missionary wife, and um, we just leaned on each other. And so at the time, you don't think of it much as a mentor, but um, more, you know, we were friends for sure. And then there were times where we've reached out to each other even since to say, hey, I need to chat. Um, at, you know, then the, there's business in the business world, there's been some positions where uh, a boss or a coworker has been a mentor and guided me, but it, it's pushing me through and making me better, um, be a better me in that role. And sometimes just in general, um, I also worked with a lady at the church, several ladies at the church who helped me, um, put together and support a women's ministry for many years where we were able to support many women. Um, but the camaraderie and the accountability that we have with each other um, to this day is just unmatchable in my experience, but very valuable to have somebody that will encourage you to move forward, guide you and encourage you to make the changes that you need. They can see outside the box, what you're doing, what, you know, the instructions that are on the out of the box that you're in and help you, evaluate who you are um and what you need what needs done what changes to make yeah i think the biggest challenge for for most of us on especially on the accountability side is to have a trusted mentor that that we know isn't trying to hurt us right like in the corporate world there's always this 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 idea that somebody wants to knock you down so they can climb up um and so there's a level of trust in a mentor that that really does want to bring you along, want to pull you up to their rung on the ladder. Um, and, and and there is the value of a relationship of knowing, you know, can I do the things this person is telling me to do? And, and can I trust that, you know, that, that they're, that they have my best interests at heart? Um, because a lot of those conversations can be challenging and it's easy to get defensive um, when someone's calling you out on your stuff. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to have trust in the person. The relationship has to be there first. So one of the one of the things that I always it comes up some, you know, the motivation for writing my book was originally the things we didn't teach our kids about entrepreneurship, um, and and one of those things or the things the school system doesn't teach about entrepreneurship right. was really more. It was a combination of those two thoughts, but really the. You know how money works is is a huge one, but communication is is also another huge hurdle for for many people. Um, being able to you know let go of expectations is a huge part of of that you know effective communication. But then you know trying to make sure that you have a communication system where you, you agree with each other, you each understand each other. Um, I think one of the things that's helped you and I is this this commitment to the journey, right? Is that there's not this power structure control in our relationship. It's really where we're going, you know. Where's what's our destination, and and how can we get there together, and how can we solve these problems to help us help us get there? Um, but I guess would you share your view on on communication and developing better communication skills? I know you want to help women in relationships, and you want to help women be able to communicate 
better. I mean, communication is just, it's a, it's different for everybody. It's kind of like the love languages. You got to find a way that's going to communicate with the person you're talking to. You know, I've done several classes through that, you know, the state paid for and that I've done over the years, but we, we're all different and we just need to acknowledge that. And there's some, um, some assessments that we are able to take that we can identify what kind of person we are, how we um, handle things and how we can react better. And we can use those to grow but we can also see the results that somebody else took and, and understand what that person is and who that is. Um, being able to communicate in a way that reaches the audience. I mean, that's as a speaker, that's what everybody talks about is you got to be able to speak to the audience that's out there. And sometimes that audience is one um, you got. So, you know, one on one, you got to be able to speak to and make it make sense. Um, just because it makes sense in your brain doesn't mean it makes sense when it comes out of your mouth. Oh, that's so good. All right. I'm trying to decide if I wanted to ask what inspires you or what your most memorable date was. But I'm a little fearful about the most memorable date because you'll bring up some other guy or something. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I, man. I, mean, I guess one thing is I don't remember much. I mean, one thing about, I guess, my perspective on life and being positive is I don't keep a tally, I don't remember things. Um, sometimes that's a good, I feel like that's good and bad. Um, what comes to mind first, I'm going to say is uh, Valentine's Day. And I can't pick one because it tends to be a time where we travel. Um, in 2000, we went to, was when we moved to Columbia. And then um, some year later, we flew to Africa. Um, but Valentine's are not necessarily a day we um, celebrate, but it often um, tends to be a day we go to travel internationally. So I'll take those. <laughs> nice. All right. What inspires you? Oh, I mean, I guess just seeing women grow, um, being able to work with ladies at work and seeing the light bulbs come on or um, the, the, their life improving. Um, I loved working at the church and leading the women's ministry and high school ministry. Um, I was able to mentor several of the girls that we um, had in our youth ministry when we served there and just being able to help them manage through life and the difficulties that life and relationships cause um, aren't always easy and you just need somebody else to walk through with you. Well, I think that's really our, our role in business, right? Is, is choosing to come alongside folks that, that, I mean, they're doing okay, but but can we help them do better, right? Can we help them get to another another level? Can we help them grow their business? Can we help them increase their impact? Um, and I think that's that's a really important piece of you know what coaches can provide is you know as a service to entrepreneurs, as a service to women, is is that little bit of accountability, um, that little bit of you know, hey, I, you're not alone. And I want you to, I want you to get to that next level and I want to help you get there. Right. I can't make them do any of these things, but I can encourage them. You know, if you do these, these two or three things, your life is going to change dramatically. I mean, yeah, the, I, the idea that, you know, we don't use as much of our brain as we need to. Um, you know, we, we read um, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Interesting book, but it's got some really good stuff in there. Um, but the idea that we, we need to think more. We need to think for ourselves more. 
um, very, very much hit home. And that I think is a, a big point that we need to, to share. Well, too many, too many people spend so much time ruminating, right? We ruminate over the past. We, we, we just repeat the past stories over and over again, and we're not really thinking creatively. We're stuck mm -hmm. in a rut of, oh, woe is me. Oh, this story. Oh, these bad things. Oh, the circumstances of my life. Oh, God hates me. Blah. And, I can't and, change it. <laughs> right. And I'm powerless, right? And, and really that story that they're telling themselves is what's disempowering them not the conditions or circumstances, not the world around them. Power is a choice and it starts with taking responsibility and choosing to own your life and own, right? And and once you do that, once you cross the line of courage and you say, I'm responsible for my life, um, things start to change and, and you take back the power. You you come into the world with a whole new energy um, that, that I think has a bigger impact in the world. So helping others you know, make that happen is always a fun part uh, of what we get to do. All right. Man, we're getting down to it. <laughs> How important is play and fun? Oh my gosh, we can't do anything. I mean, the, I said four years ago that I wanted to be a stay at home grandma. At the time, I felt like it was going to be, and I needed to stay, I needed to be available for my grandson who was, you know, one then, um, and any other grandkids that might come around. To me, when I was a kid, having my grandparents drive me to places, pick me up from school, go to my events, it's it it was everything. I I'm not sure how people go without that because it, I mean that's just what the way of life was. My grandparents were in my life all the time, and I wanted to be a part of my grandkids' life. Um, I didn't realize that two years later, the COVID would hit and I would be a stay-at-home grandma with a job. So I was here, I was around, I still saw Anakai a lot, but I was tied to my computer nine to five. One of the advantages and blessings I have in this last two months is to be able to just play with him. I, As long as I don't have a meeting or something that's going on, I can turn this off, turn around and play with dominoes or watch a movie or something just real quick and then he'll let me come back. But you and I also spend a lot of time taking trips and adventures. I struggle to go a month, let alone two, without leaving the state. Um, the, that travel agent stewardess comes right back and I, I need to go somewhere. It is a lot better, you know, having the whole house to ourselves. We don't feel like we have to go as much, but I sure love getting out of town, even if it's just to drive in the mountains. So obviously you've had success with with your book, your stories being included in Dose of Hope and a couple of other compilation books and exciting opportunities to get your stories out there. So with all this, all these successes happening, what's been the biggest challenge? I, I, for me, I think I just need to sit and write. I need to take the time away because everything else is going to go and happen. But I need to make the time, just like I was saying, you need to take the time to journal and do your, you know, your routines. I need to make the time to make happen what I want to happen, what needs to happen. Because it's like I, the compilation I just submitted this weekend, I didn't get it done until the last absolute minute. And I said, it has to get done now. Okay, let's get it done. I'd get a lot more done if I wrote more often. All right. I'm going to throw myself under the bus here maybe. But so how's <laughs> running, how has running a business together impacted our relationship? <laughs> I mean, it's 
I think right now it's finding the time to turn work off because we're around each other 24 seven and it's so easy to pick up a book or a topic or I need this question. Hey, we're not talking about anything. Let's fix this. Let's do this. And I, I need to acknowledge that there's time where, nope, this isn't the time I'm working on. I, I like lists. So I'll just write it on the list and we'll get to it later. I just have to make sure that you get back to it with me. Now I just have to decide if you like lists or spreadsheets more. Lists. I'm not convinced. Spreadsheets are lists. <laughs> They're like multiple lists, lists that are tagged with stuff side by side and lists that you can add stuff to. And oh my goodness. All right. How how has contribution been a part? I mean, contribution is a bit, huge part of our life. For those of you who don't know, we were missionaries for 10 years and we lived on other people's contributions. But being able to give back as well is is huge. I mean, I said my favorite, one of my favorite parts of working at the church was um, volunteering in the high school ministry and um, being able to encourage and share the love and knowledge that we have with other women and uh, young adults. All right. What's the big dream? I should know this one. I mean, I, I think ideally we want to have a business that is self-sufficient enough that we can take um, planned or spontaneous trips and um, take the kids to Disneyland or something, but also jump jump in the uh, on the bikes and go up in the mountains for a ride um, but to help entrepreneurs help women um, be their best so they can impact the world as well and if we can take our 40 60 hours a week each and just dive in and, and love on on those that um, allow us to support them um, so that we can all just be, be, be better, be bigger, um, and just be who we're meant to be. All right. What do you love to do in your free time? I'd say read, but I don't necessarily enjoy reading. I have a hard time getting my brain to focus if I'm not intentionally doing something with it. Um, but travel with you and then um, probably crochet which I don't get to do as much so yeah I've, I've gotten to do some fun projects over the years though all right go ahead and share about the project that you made for our daughter that she's using now the guitarist yeah so actually when I went into labor with our daughter back in 1996 I was crocheting a, um, a little baby dress while in labor waiting for everything to to happen um and then over the next few years i crocheted a few more dresses one of which was size six so it was when she was six years old but it also had a baby blanket um so if you a haven't baby, seen a, a, baby a baby dress doll, a baby yeah. doll dress that matched so it was a six-year-old pink full-size dress and then a baby doll version um and her daughter now wears the baby doll version because that's how big she is she was not premature, but she's a very small baby. It, it might take her more than six years to fit in the other one. <laughs> Maybe all of them. 
<laughs> oh, poor granddaughter. She is cute as a button and she has a sweet disposition. And so we enjoy having her around the house and she's still just squeaking and squawking and giggling, but um, her brother makes up for it. Hopefully soon she'll be talking and, and uh, well, probably running around driving us crazy. So, so that's what, uh, that that's what the kiddos, the kiddos are for. All right, Noel, spend an hour chatting with these, brilliant entrepreneurs in our audience and you want to leave them with Noel's words of wisdom, what would you share? Make the most of it. Whatever you're doing, give it your all and be purposeful. If you're not dreaming and it's not like I've heard if you're not scared, you're not dreaming big enough, be persistent and intentional on what you're asking for and what you're dreaming for. Hmm. Noelle, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing with us and being willing to put yourself out there. I appreciate you and obviously love you dearly and appreciate the opportunity to keep, keep working with you. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Michelle Abraham and Robert talk about Michelle's get it done spirit, just figuring out how to solve a problem and get paid. She started multiple businesses and fell into podcasting and has really found her place, helping others create and launch successful podcasts to support their businesses.